0: Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Charlotte Nilsson, Luke Jackson, Linda Tiger, and Robert Backstrom to discuss roadmapping to success through product vision and strategy. Before we delve deeper into the topic at hand, let's work our way around the room with some small introductions. Uh, Robert, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can do it. So,
1: I'm Robert. i um... Born and still living in Stockholm. Uh, I started my career within the games industry in 2006. I was part of starting up Fat Shark, uh where I stayed for about, I think it's 12 years, uh, until I, I, 2018, left for Raw Fury, where I stayed for another two years. And throughout these years, I've been working mostly within production, either as a, as a, assistant producer, producer, senior producer, and so, such. Uh, I decided to quit Raw Fury two, two, two years ago because I wanted to, to sort of run my own thing, and that uh, start became uh, Aurora Punks, which is uh, uh, like a collective of indie dev studios uh, spread across Sweden and even Europe nowadays, uh, where I'm one of the founders, together with other people from the... like Oldest from the games industry, such as uh, Coem Song from Dice and Alexander Bayendahl from uh, Loot Locker, Andrea from Raw Fury, uh, used to name Matthias Viking from Paradox, which I guess there's some Paradox people here today who might then know. So yeah, so that's a little bit short about
2: me. Brilliant, thank you for that. Uh, Linda? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, hello, everyone. So, um, yeah, I started counting and I realized uh, this is the year when I've been uh, 20 years in the industry, more or less. I k- kicked it off. Um, yeah, back in the early 2000s, uh, I started the the, the career with, within QA, Functionality and Localization, over in Glasgow. Um, and since then, I've been sort of moving through different QA production roles uh, within different uh, like studios, um, uh, both in the UK and in Sweden. Um, I took a, took a bit of a sidestep into app development uh, for a few years as well, keeping to a bit my smaller team development for, for some time. Uh, but then in 2017 I decided to get back into games and join Paradox. Uh, I first joined as a producer on u 4 then moved to CK2, uh, then took over to CK3 to get through the release in 2020. Uh, after that I went into Space and Dolores uh, working, uh, working as a production director. Uh, Until now, pretty much, like this year, I'm heading into a new role as a studio manager for our brand new PDS Studio Black, who's going to be the the home and castle of Crusader Kings. So that's pretty much where I'm at right now.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Luke. Sure. Um,
3: So I'm Luke. I'm originally from London, uh, but I I now live in Stockholm uh, and I work currently as a product manager on on Candy Crush Saga. Um, so my background is originally uh programming computer science uh, i started my career uh 6 years ago 6ish bit more years ago uh as, at king um as a junior developer so worked uh, making new games um enjoyed maybe more understanding how you make new games about the audiences and ended up doing more analysis on the games i was making than making the games so moved more into sort of analytics um and then i worked there for a few years sort of working on some of the Um, live games in the London studio and then I think that's kind of a natural transition into um, product management Um, so then eventually I my first kind of gig there was leading a small team on uh, another Candy Crush game Candy Crush Friends saga um, doing sort of ads monetization live event scheduling that's a lot of fun and then a couple years ago I decided to um, well I moved to Stockholm to work on on the big one on on Candy Crush saga Um, so that's kind of where I'm focused now a lot on product discovery and sort of building roadmaps, which is why I'm kind of excited for, for today. <laughs> uh,
0: brilliant. Uh, last and certainly not least, uh, Charlotta?
4: Yes, of course. Uh, so my name is Charlotta Nilsson and I'm COO at Paradox Interactive. And uh, in my duty lies uh, driving the business uh, with the focus on game development. So I'm heading all the studios, Uh, Tech, analytics, IT and uh, stuff to make this happen. So I would say that the best thing in my job is that I have to work uh, with so many talented and smart people. So that's really, really great. I think I have the best job ever. But uh, I've been in the industry for two years uh, and before that I've been working with uh, software development, tech in many different sizes and positions, uh, many senior uh, positions and I can see so many similarities with also the startup industry where I've been focusing a lot. I'm also on the board for Nutnet and also industry fondant so I see the startup from another angle there as well.
0: Excellent. Uh, so now we've got a context to everyone. Let's move on to the topic in focus. Uh, so you've all sent me a question or statement on roadmap into to success through uh, product vision and strategy. And as usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. And everyone will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Uh, so let's start with Charlotta.
4: Oh, thank you. So this is very warm uh, at heart. Uh, So I would like to know how you do to set up your teams for success uh, and having that in the light of the creativity and also realistic chances to succeed. So this is something that I I spend all my days in, and I think this is crucial uh, to not only hope for magic, even though I think that's important as well. Uh, So I'm super curious to hear.
1: I, I think if I, if I may jump in, uh, it's a, it's a really inter- I mean it's a question I think we all have to. <coughs> Sorry, my throat got something right now. Anyway, it's a question we all need to, I guess, think about because I mean that's sort of like a, a games industry. I find it really interesting how like it meets sort of like the the commercial context, and and you still need to make sure. <coughs> There's a creativity. There's a platform for the creativity and passion in there. I think. Well, we. I mean, it's. It's so important to to to. To listen to what's important for the devs, in, in, like all the teams, what in whatever shape and form they act on, and I think it's important to to because sometimes it's easy to get like a pre. You have you have some some kind of pre. Pre knowledge or pre assumptions of what you think most teams would be looking for, and it turns out quite often that not, that might not be the case. And I mean, for for within Aurora Punks, we we quite re- quickly realized, like we identify what was the biggest uh, challenges for for a, for a upcoming indie studio, like and obviously it's financing funding, but also things like. Being able to secure something that stretches longer than the initial project, not only in funding, but sort of being being able to to focus on something else than just just uh, going through the treadmill of of like the current project, and then before the current project is over, you need to dive in and become creative again because you need to start thinking of your next project, and and sort of allowing that downtime between between projects, where where you maybe, even if you're very creative, like in a, in a creative role, you might want to end up in a situation where you just do like daily chores on another project in between. And and I think those things, that was something new to me, because you sort of worry about like, all these people have so much ideas inside they just want to push it out but after you know, spending two three years on one specific game, sort of wears you out if you constantly need to sort of come up with new ideas or suggestions in that so that's um I mean, that was one thing that came from from basically just listen to them and, and 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 talk about what was important for 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 us to make it to make it so i guess communication which is like i guess uh not really something that's is, is, is surprising, I guess.
3: Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, similar to what I, I was thinking, maybe a slightly different direction, but around that communication piece is um, I kind of interpreted this question a little bit about like how can you kind of unlock creativity but keep it grounded in the reality of like needing to build something. Um, and one of the things that, that I've seen done, done really well and I think works is making sure that you know, throughout design, throughout exploration and discovery, you have tech representation. You're thinking about actually, how are you going to build stuff right from, right from the beginning and setting teams up in that way so that you kind of have that, um, yeah, that like kind of reality of like, this isn't designing for design sake. There's a, we we want to build something here. Um, I think you can kind of extend that out to like other crafts and areas of of the studio, the business, like making sure everyone has a, a shared understanding of, the problem space you're kind of designing for the solution you're going for so that you're not like reining in creativity all the time and like things are going off loose it's like no no we all understand what we want to achieve here and so we're all working within the same space and empowering people to kind of solve problems um, in that way
4: can i ask a question there uh, on this topic so how concrete uh, are you then on the goals and targets you know, so to not uh, influence too much on the creativity, but in the same time steer it in the direction where you think he, they will be more successful.
3: Yeah, I don't think I've ever set like goals or objectives that have been good to start with. It's always like that iterative process of like, oh, this is what the kind of boundaries are and then kind of dis- let's let's kind of refine that. Um So it's kind of like an iterative process to kind of work with, what people need in order to kind of get to the solution you, you want to get to, I guess. I
1: think I think it's always important to sort of question like whoever comes up with the original idea or like the request on like also so what is the intention with this and for who like who who are we making this for? And 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 keeping that constant and, and also being open for, as you said like there's there's there will be changes along the way, but that doesn't mean there's, I'd rather like start with a plan and, 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 a, and a fairly, like a pre-assumption about this is the target group, this is what we want to achieve and what we think, and then you come to like a first iteration or whatever you're creating and you test it on that target group and you realize was something different, but that's way better than just starting in the void and, and, and thinking like, I'm going to just doing features because I I have an idea about these features. So like, you still need to connect them to, you make a product of them or whatever you call it when you connect it to to an audience.
4: Yeah,
2: I think um, uh, one uh, one thing I think is interesting is striking the right balance between that reach for the stars mentality, and like that total creative freedom, which, like that's where the game directors and the art director, like that's where they live and thrive. That's where they they're they're rooted, right? um so maybe not having too many like fixed term boundaries to begin with and as a producer you just jump straight to like the time and the money and the you know the 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 realism part of it because that's just in our dna Uh, but i think it's important to maybe give that space in the beginning and then support the transition like funnel that into well what's Realism. What does that look like here? What What are the conditions that we can make this greatness into something achievable with the with what we know, right? With with the time and the money and the people, uh, the the tech and the like, the the players, like all these things. So it's like uh, the intersection between the dream and the reality. I find that is really really interesting because if you if you like impose those limitations, you set that box to begin with, then what you're gonna gradually do is take away the dreaminess. Uh and I feel it it can impact the the will to drive new inventions, like the will to explore and expand and to try new things. So it's really you don't want to do it too early because then you're sort of killing the fun out of the creative process. but then I think it's uh, what I've seen been really helpful is involving the creative minds into the planning process. So it doesn't become like, well, they go and do you know the the you know all the all the designing bits, and then you just dump that somewhere for someone else to work with. Like I I, I try to work really close with the game director um, to 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 have a conversation around what's important, what's less important. So the, the, the dialogue about the, the, the priorities, the scoping, like all of that, it's, it's a collaboration rather than just trying to do like a blueprint, because it never works that way anyway. You're going to have to be quite mobile in, your, like, in the changing of the plans. We, I mean, we all know how things, like when reality strikes, then you kind of have to find ways to work
3: yeah I think that's r- really interesting because then if you can do that second part like super effectively, it helps you with that first part um because then you kind of when the boundaries do get set, people are super aware because they're in those conversations. Um, so yeah. I think yeah, it's really a good point.
2: Also helps with like you don't become the enemy. You're you're not that joy kill that you know. It, it's like okay, yeah, I took a look at this. uh Sorry, that's gonna go. That's gonna go. Won't have time, time for that. Uh, it's a conversation rather, like it doesn't have to be an easy conversation, like it rarely is. Uh, and there will probably be some, you know, uh, to and froing. ing uh, but it's a healthy conversation, um, I feel. And, and in, in many times it can lead to something really good.
4: I really like your uh, answers and feedback here uh, on this topic. Uh, I personally believe very much in having a very iterative process in the beginning, sort of the balancing of what you all more or less are saying this uh, wild ideas were versus so okay can this be done <laughs> how would it be done uh, etc so so spending really time on what do we want to achieve because if as you some of you already said if you end up having a team that see the same goal there will be so much things falling in place more or less automatically from from that but it's a struggle everyone want to rush into and doing things uh, especially if you think you have a good idea But uh, spending time uh, in these early phases uh, i i've seen really beneficial
0: excellent um robert can we come to you next for your question
1: oh yeah <clears throat> i'm I'm, uh, I'm i'm happy actually i, I... I pose this question here because I think there's a lot of input to be had. Uh, I mean especially think of your background Luke or where you are now. It's like I mean something I always looked at, at the at the like the mobile free to play space is just like the very quick iterate, iterations that they sort of adopted and like the the soft launches and all that thing and which is I think coming more and more something you need to adapt to in even in the premium space on pc and console uh, so so basically my question is like how early should you or maybe i should could you start testing your vision uh, of, of like or, or game concept on on an audience and and what is the options you have to do if you look away from the like freemium or free free to play mobile space and actually look at at, at a premium console PC space like what how can you How can you get, reach your audience as early as possible and test your your ideas? And I I wrote, also known as Steam, but I think there's other, like, obviously there's other, all all the different uh, ecosystems, like the PlayStations and Xbox and what, what.
3: I'm happy to, to jump in first. I mean, I obviously can't talk in detail about that kind of steam space you know my background as you mentioned is kind of mobile gaming but i kind of talk more generally about kind of validating a vision or or a direction um and i think like like you mentioned it's never too early to be doing that and i think more specifically validating the assumptions that you've made that make you think you're going in the right direction so not just the vision itself but all the things you're assuming to be true that mean kind of your audience will like this thing and one of the things we i often talk about is um you know, the most expensive way to know whether you're going in the right direction, you know, is to like build the game, build the feature, invest all that time. So you, it's always kind of good to think about other things you could be doing. You know, one of the benefits we have at King is we have a large network. So we can use like player data quite a lot to validate different hypotheses and assumptions we have. But I think there's real value in kind of running surveys, you know, setting up interviews, talking to players is something I think is super, super important. Um, And I think, yeah, it's kind of comes back to that rather than it's maybe quite hard to validate entire vision but thinking about those assumptions and single hypotheses can be super helpful um for sure
2: i mean from from i, I don't have experience from the in the scene um, so so i can't really and also limited in terms of like brand new ips And of course that's a whole different ball game that whole different area of complexity like how how will you know if this is gonna you know hit the mark or not um it's a bit of paradox obviously we we work a lot with sequels and we work a lot with like long lifetimes for our games which means that we have a pretty good idea of what our players like and what they don't like Uh, and something we value a lot is that connection with our players like the the fan base and the, the community so we we try to tap into that as much as we can like we as soon as we can talk about what they can expect to come up next Like we start with the dev diaries and and the dev streams and like we, we tell our players what we're up to because we feel that the more we share, the more we get them excited. And I mean, we can actually see that because they, you know, they keep playing the the old game more. I mean, so so it's a direct uh, impact in a way because it's just about getting the excitement up and just talking about the things that we do uh, really helps in that engagement, uh, I feel. But. As I said again, that it's easier if you know what you're working with. Um, but um, I mean, also uh, we work with betas a lot, so that's also one way that we really make sure that um, that what we're doing is good. Like not just you know bug <laughs> bug wise, right? Is it is it holding up? But also in terms of balancing and like the features, are they what the players would look for? Are they um, you know, are they giving value to the players? So we get a lot of really good feedback from, from our beta programs uh, for our games as well. Um, and I know there's early access as well, which is probably something that's worth looking into for maybe newer IPs as well. I know we've done that in other areas of Paradox as well, but it comes with a like its own set of challenges as I understand it. I don't have experience myself from that, but uh, that's of course one way to to go over premium titles, right? You, Yeah, you share
4: early and build from that. Uh, I so agree with what you have said. Uh, Early is really, really good. Uh, But on the other hand, you can also go too early if you can't be too concrete uh, on your topic, either the core of your game or if it's uh, specific areas you want to know, because sometimes you get feedback and you need to be able to analyze the feedback as well, depending on if you have something they can play with or, or if you're testing your ideas. So I think it's really worthwhile to, to invest in what you really want to have, what you want to understand with sort of bouncing ideas because there is so many opinions out there. Of course, you will get feedback, but how will you know uh, that you, you will go right or wrong or so Things like that, but as soon as possible, I would say, and that's valid uh, everywhere. And uh, the more concrete you can share, uh, having a a game early access, or if you want to to test something specific, I I think it's so worth it because uh, working on your own can sort of lead you in the wrong direction. And uh, early access, especially if you have early access where people are paying for it, I think it is the the brutal but the best one because. Um money don't lie in that sense. People can say thumbs up, but uh, if they pay for it, it's for real. So that's my best tips.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's, a. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, great, great input here. And, and a few things I actually found out, I think, I mean, premium, it used to be, I uh, Way back, I think, or especially from the like in the scene, or like not the smaller devs, it's like you you, you were not very data driven, and, and and that means like you m- might be listening to a vocal minority on the forums, and and we I something we found out quite early when I was still with Fat Shark is like it, when we ran our games that were like in a couple of years down the line in the IP, and we start doing changes. There was always like a one part of the community that was sort of. <laughs> aggravated and another other part that loved it and it was so easy to just realize we were running from one corner to the next and back and forth and i guess but there's tools for that like there's 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 telemetry you can add into the games as i see where where are people falling off and and things like that which i think is great and there's also ways for you to pro to test your product at an early stage i i, I think like the steam page where where there's a there's a way for you to test a new ip quite early yesterday like the, the imagery and the visions of it is, is is a affordable way for for a small developer to to sort of try out things early and and see if there's something that takes off and there's actually quite a lot of insight you can get from like looking at what kind of interaction do i get from the community from my from my store page do do they find the 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 idea of this game without having tried it yet. Do do, do they find it attractive? And if they don't, we're probably gonna be fighting in a, a like a, a uphill battle for, for for the reminder of the of the development as well. So, yeah.
0: Okay, excellent, fantastic uh, insights so far. Uh, let's change the direction slightly. Uh, Linda, are you ready with your question?
2: Yeah, certainly. Uh, so i'm uh, I'm curious, going into production mindset here, but how do you create realistic plans in times of uncertainty? Uh, and I mean, you've all lived through the last couple of years, uh, and what we know is that nothing is certain. I mean, game development, to begin with, uh, usually comes with a set of surprises. Um, but I think we're we're in uh, even a different like layer of complexity in terms of uncertainty these days, uh, like in terms of just, you know, and, um, you know, it can be anything from like, hey, can we get the hardware to do this, or like any sort of set of, uh, yeah, unknowns, really. So how, how do you do it?
1: Uh, One thing that I really, I'm I'm a big champion for is sort of like the avoid like being too detailed in, in all the plans and, and sort of accept what can, what you have to accept. It's like the, the, the uncertainty, you need to accept that and, and just make sure to be prepared for, for whatever you can bring with you. And, and one thing I think is important is like, we might not know how long this would take us, but uh, or if we are going to do all the things that we initially planned for, but as long as we do things in the right order, uh, at least that's something we could do. But then, we we shouldn't spend too much time on trying to see what's coming around the corner. But just spend that time to be very iterative and look at what what you where are we now? And are we still heading in the right direction? And it's the a shortcut we can take somewhere? So I think that is a thing. And obviously the the like just add extra layers of certainty or, or, or like extra layers of padding whenever you can because because that's and keep keep it simple I guess and don't overdo things I guess very basic stuff like that but still even how complex the the, the organization is, or how, how big it is I think just keeping things simple normally is is, is the best solution right. and then you start detailing things as you go, come closer to the target and when you start getting the data that we talked about in the, in the in the previous questions like when you know what what, what is the, the challenges then you start act on it and
4: plan for it um, I would uh, suggest uh, some uh, things around the scoping this is really really hard because people are very ambitious uh, so it But uh, the the benefit of thinking how you can go so close to the core that you rather have a chance to add on things later on instead of skip things. It it sounds super easy, uh, but it's super, super hard. I know that. But that that is uh, the the best tips I I could give in this area. And then, of course, to have some padding in the end to, to play with when things is changing Uh, And also this about scoping, Uh, the moral of the team is always better when they can add things on. So if you can set the priority on uh, the things that should be done in the game, that you really have all the core stuff in the beginning and more nice to have in the end, you you have a little bit of that flexibility. And on top of that, I would uh, go for scenario planning. Uh, And uh, my experience is at least that when it comes to planning, the the plan A is usually the sort of easy one. Then the the hard one is to come up with all the plan B, C, D, and all the others, what if. Uh, And of course, corona happens, things that you never could foresee, no one foresee in this way. Uh, So of course, there will always be things they can't foresee. But if you have already had a chance to think through a few, maybe more possible scenarios. Uh, it will be easier also to adjust and also maybe be prepared on what consequences it would have. Would that add a half year to the game development? Do you need extra resources? So you are already prepared on what kind of action you would have to take if you if take that route. So, so that would be my five cent.
3: Yeah, I, I think I, I agree completely. And um, going on that kind of uh, idea of like getting used to the the uncertainty and the unexpected, one of the things I think can be, you know, kind of concretely help is um, getting comfortable with uh, having kind of a designs and plans that you actually might not execute on, so it becomes kind of uh, accepted that maybe you put design work in for something you might not deliver on. Um, And this kind of has the benefit then that you can always kind of build out that roadmap of like what what you would do, pretty more than what you can do at that moment. Uh, which is kind of like there's also a sneaky benefit there which is you always have a list of stuff you would do if you had more production capacity so you've got a little pitch deck in your pocket as well if ever you if you if you need that um, and then that kind of puts you in that position where you've, you've kind of got that plan but you've also got that culture which is really open to change um, if need be um, and, and the other thing that I kind of like as well is sometimes uh, having a, a bit of a kind of cheesy ambitious like north star statement or vision that gives that kind of high level direction it's not too highly defined but everyone kind of knows where you're going it can add that bit of stability for the team so even if the plans change you kind of know roughly what the direction is and what the journey you're going on is
2: yeah i think that's um that's a really good persp- perspective and um also very helpful helpful to the team because i think that's often like one of the um like not so easy things to, to plan with like we, we can all like we can work with the practical, the tangible things uh to, to plan and plan around. Um, but it's the what the impact of the uncertainty will have on the teams. I think is really interesting. Like what we can we do to help them like mitigate that that stress or that the feeling of uncertainty, because that like they there's uncertainty in every aspect of life right now. So we like anything we can do from the project, from from the team, from the studio to just like you know what, it's okay that we don't know. Um, Like, as soon as I know, you will know. And this is like, this is the direction, right? And like, this is the big thing that we're heading towards. And it's fine if it changes. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you're with the team all the way, even through the uncertainty, because I think a lot of people, maybe they put it on themselves, right? Like, oh, I'm not able to figure this out because things are moving. So it's also being that supportive, <laughs> the, the, the rock through through the uncertainty in some way. Yeah. Not really good, really good input. Thank you.
0: Excellent, and uh, last but not least, uh, Luke, are you ready with your question? Yeah, um,
3: so so my question is about uh, providing teams with autonomy. Um, so uh, we've spoken a lot about having a vision and a strategy for where you're going towards, and, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on how do you provide the kind of right level of direction, freedom and autonomy for your teams when you're kind of executing on your strategy and you're building out that, that roadmap.
4: So I love to jump in here because uh, this is so uh, important for me. Um, to, to start with, uh, I think it has to do a little bit on the, the skill set and the experience of the team that you're talking about. Because dependent on if if fairly junior team, you you would know uh, that they need more coaching uh, and support to to make sure they are on the right direction. Over time, in general, I believe that uh, everyone should try to do the team more and more independent because I think there is so many benefits of having a great ownership in the team. And also, what creativity that unleashes when also people feel that this is. Sort of my project, uh, and I can make a huge difference. So, so getting there is super important. But the starting point might not always be that they are that senior. So, having the coaching a little bit dependent on the skill set—have they worked together before, etc.? Do they have what they need? So, so that is one aspect of it. Then the other thing I think is super important to to get things uh, rolling is also to have. Uh, a lot of discussion with the team to to align when it comes to this goal, priorities, and uh, the risk appetite. Uh, Because you want long-term to have the team to make a lot of these kind of decisions themselves. And if you're not aligned, they might go in another direction. And of course, that's easy to step in and micromanage and come to another conclusion. You would like to avoid that. So Spending extra time from the beginning and make sure that you are aligned on these things and that they also uh, always know that uh, there is people to bounce these ideas or these questions when they arise. But sort of as soon as you are aligned as a team, I think there will be way easier because they can take so many more decisions and that will also make them faster. So, So that would be my input here.
1: i think empowerment is is definitely a, a way i mean I, I think yeah we touched upon it in in our first topic it's sort of where to make sure that that the team stays true to the vision and stuff like that is is sort of being as transparent as possible with the constraint that you act within. So if it's financial, like like with the, the studio, the, the we will need to ship this game this year because of these reasons. And uh, to avoid you being the producer to come in and say cut, 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 you can just be as transparent as possible. I mean that's something we work a lot with within uh, uh, our collective. Is sort of like yeah, the the teams itself. We we try they'll decide on what kind of games they want to create, and they'll decide on. On, on a lot of things and for us to, to to be able to allow that to happen is like they need to understand the full picture and 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 be like they need to to understand the forecasting that we use for like looking at what what kind of genres are can we are working well on steam and, and what can we expect this game to sell and that makes a lot of things so much easier for them because if they start using the same way, of analyzing or looking at the data as you do, then they will start uh, asking those questions for themselves when they look at the new feature and, and avoiding that thing like what we talked about before. Like, I do this feature because I want to try it out, but it's actually, is this feature going to benefit whatever we're trying to achieve here? And and I look at the uh, the stats the same way as you do and you do, and that means we can all sort of, we'll probably be much easier to be on the same page. And then obviously there will be differences, uh, uh, but uh, if you minimise them uh, and still have a very clear, like, this is what you can decide on and this is where we will step in and say yes or no on, that I think it, it is a good way to, to sort of uh, empower them uh, to, to, to and become very self-sufficient. Yeah, uh, no, I, I
2: really agree. Um and I think something that is helpful is just making sure that the uh, that you communicate the strategy like often uh, and also try to put it into maybe into context to make it more like specific and like you know r- real life uh real relatable in a way uh because that also helps people understand the like what we will do and what we won't do. So if you can, it can help in decision-making. But just like you said, Kalosta, like that's a kind of, that's a learning journey and that's probably quite hard to to get to on day one. Um, But I think like just reiterating, like don't don't be shy about talking about the strategy, ask the team, like, is the strategy, like, do do you understand it? Or like, is this strategy helpful when you think about how you do your job? Like, can you relate to it? Uh, because if if no one gets it, then maybe you need to kind of look at, you know, is it formulated badly? Or am I just like, is it too fluffy? Is it like, is, is there too many steps to getting from that to like, you know, a programmer's daily job? Uh, because the, the shorter that bridge is, the easier it's going to be to just live that strategy and to make that feed into all the work um, that you do. Uh, and I think to support that, to help the team along, what you can do is just make sure there is regular uh, realignment. And it's also fine if it like veers off and if mistakes happens, like that's fine. I mean, it's all just learning opportunities to, you know, to just try and get back on track. Uh, so I think just uh, like celebrating the wins and the losses and and making sure you do it together, that it's not like a strategy team and then just like a tactical team and never shall the two meet. <laughs> You know, it it is really just the one and the same. Um, so yeah,
3: that makes sense. Yeah, I really like that piece as well about the um, the strategy as well and the importance of communicating it. You know, uh, if if it's uh, a good strategy but no one gets it, it's a bad strategy. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like I think that's a really really nice thing to say. And I also really enjoyed the kind of um em- empowerment pieces. You know, we did touch on it earlier uh but uh, i feel like sometimes you can like building a roadmap or like product management in general can be like overly simplified to just here's a list of stuff go build this stuff mm-hmm. um and like if you get into that space actually where you're giving kind of a list of problems and good boundaries and then empowering teams like like charlotte you were saying that really does it's not just good for the product because you're not reliant on a few people for ideas you've got everyone it's also great for the teams as well um so yeah like uh, really interesting to hear your thoughts
1: yeah i mean sometimes it feels like <laughs> Even like, same way as you act as a parent, like you're trying to tell your kids not to eat candy every day, and it's like the next question, why? And if you would stop, saying so you just don't do it, then you you probably don't get that successful. But if you talk to a team and start like, we keep it like this because of this and this and this, and and they they share that, then yeah, you get, you probably get a lot much better. I'm going to get shot if I put my likeness with kids who so want to eat candy and the devs, so race that part.
0: <laughs> Brilliant, uh, unless anyone has any final thoughts, then we will leave it there. If you do, just jump in, don't hesitate. Um, but if not... This has been the uh, Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank the participants, Charlotte, Luke, Linda and Robert, for providing your insights into the topic. And thanks everyone else for listening. Uh, If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com. And we will see you next time.